All right. This afternoon, we're going to be in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. The Old Testament book of Isaiah. And we're going to be specifically in Isaiah chapter number 45. We are going to read verses 1 through 4. However, we will at some point in the message come back to Isaiah 45 with some other verses beyond verse number 4. But Isaiah chapter number 45, we want to begin reading in verse number 1. Isaiah 45, verse number 1. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, the word there is consecrated, to his consecrated one, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have hold him, to subdue nations before him, And I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I am the Lord which call thee by name, and the God, I the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. The title of the message this afternoon is God's Power Revealed in Treasures of Darkness. God's power revealed in treasures of darkness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together today. I thank you for the preaching that we were able to sit under this morning. And Lord, the exaltation of Jesus Christ as our Redeemer. And Lord, we thank you so much for the provision that you have for your people. And we know that Jesus Christ came to save his people from their sins. Lord, we do have hope in death. Lord, I know that time there are times here on this earth where we get attached to this life and through circumstances and situations you reveal to us that this world is not our home, that we do have a Redeemer who lives this day. And Lord, we thank you that your word reveals to us exactly who you are, that you are a sovereign, powerful God. And Lord, you are able to accomplish your will as you see fit. None can hinder you. Lord, help us not just to grasp this mentally today, but that it might be a source of, first of all, a warning to us that we must be careful how we walk, but also an encouragement to us to know that you're in control, that you love your people, you care for your people, you defend your people. Lord, we pray that you'd meet with us this afternoon, guide our time in your word, and accomplish your will as you see fit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. God's power revealed through treasures of darkness. God allowed his people to go into captivity for 70 years to the Babylonians. He promised, even before they went into this captivity, that he would deliver his people after 70 years. Now that's pretty common knowledge to a Bible student. But what may not be so common is the unorthodox way that he chose to deliver them. We read here in Isaiah chapter number 45 these verses 
about this guy by the name of Cyrus. In the Hebrew, it is really Koresh. You probably remember Vernon Howe. Not Thurston Howe, but Vernon Howe. Some of you get that from Gilligan's Island, okay? You, you, you probably remember Vernon Howe, but you probably don't remember him by the name Vernon Howe. Vernon Howe was his given name. You probably know him better as David Koresh. He took the two names, David from David in Scripture and from Cyrus Koresh. And that's how he came up with David Koresh. Well, this is Cyrus, king of Persia, who is not a child of God, is not saved by the grace of God. And yet God says that he's going to deliver his people using his anointed and it's not talking about Christ there in verse number. It's talking about Cyrus. God consecrated this wicked king of Persia to deliver his people. Now, interesting to note that this prophecy that we read here was 210 years before Cyrus was ever even born. Cyrus was raised up, God tells us for the purpose of delivering Israel out of Babylonian captivity and guiding them back into their own land. Now, God would, to Cyrus, deliver treasures of darkness. We, we read it in verse number 3. He says, and I will give thee the treasures of darkness. Now, these are not treasures of wickedness. We read about treasures of wickedness profiting nothing in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 2. These are not evil treasures. These are treasures of darkness. The word treasures in the Hebrew literally means storehouse or armory. When I was in the army, we didn't carry our weapons on us at all times. They were kept in an armory. Our treasures were in the armory. And you had to go to the armory to get your treasures, right? And so treasures, and notice... The word darkness, the word darkness here doesn't mean evil or wickedness. It means obscure or secret place. Eastern kings in those days amassed hordes of treasures that they would bury in obscure and secret places. God is prophesying and saying that he is going to use Cyrus to deliver his people from the Babylonian captivity. And God is going to give Cyrus these treasures of darkness. God's awesome sovereignty and his awesome power is revealed in the treasures of darkness. And you say, well, how so? Well, I'm glad you asked. That will form the basis of what we discuss over the next few hours. I mean, 30 or 40 minutes. Okay? This passage reveals four truths concerning God's power revealed in treasures of darkness. Here are the four truths. The Lord is able to direct anyone. The Lord, secondly, is able to defeat anyone. Thirdly, this third truth, the Lord is able to deliver anything. And fourthly, the Lord is able to defend His afflicted. And as God's people we are going to face affliction here on this earth. Four truths concerning God's power revealed in treasures of darkness. Now let's look at the first truth. 
We find it in verse number 1. The Lord is able to direct anyone. The Lord is able to do with anyone as He pleases. I think sometimes we have this idea that, well, yeah, God is sovereign and He can tell His people what to do. Well, He can tell His people what to do, but He can tell anybody what to do. God is sovereign. The Lord is able to direct anyone. And notice here again, verse number 1. Let's read Isaiah 45, verse number 1 again. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings, to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. Literally, the Lord is saying that he is going to direct Cyrus 200 years before Cyrus is born. He's raising Cyrus up for this purpose. He's going to direct him to conquer the world power at that time that is afflicting the children of God. God can do that. God is able to direct anyone. Notice, in God directing anyone, in that thought, identity is not paramount. Identity is not paramount. Again, it doesn't matter who you are. And it isn't just the Lord's people that He can direct. God can do as He pleases. God can use the wicked to accomplish His own purpose. God can use the the righteous to accomplish His purpose. God is able to direct anyone that He chooses. I'll give you a very familiar passage of Scripture. We know it well. Proverbs 21 and verse number 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water He turneth it, whithersoever He will. The king's hand. Do you know that the Lord is able to direct this very day Joe Biden as He sees fit? This very day, the Lord is able to direct any of the world powers that you think of. And we think of all that's going on with Russia and China and Iran and everything going on in Ukraine. God is able to direct as He sees fit. Identity is not important. Now, think about this guy by the name of Cyrus. Let's read a little bit further down in Isaiah chapter 45 particularly verse number 13, and let's notice what the Lord says He's going to do with Cyrus. In verse number 13, I have raised him up in righteousness, and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city, and he shall let go my captives, not for peace nor reward, saith the Lord of hosts. So the Lord, and by the way, there's a dual application in these verses relating to the Messiah, the real Messiah that's to come. But but speaking here practically on this earth, the Lord is going to direct Cyrus as he sees fit. We think about Cyrus prior to Isaiah chapter number 45. And so turn over just one chapter back to Isaiah chapter 44 in verse number 28 and notice how the Lord is able to direct this man Cyrus having even not been born yet. Isaiah 44 verse 28. That saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built and to the people thy foundation shall be laid. Now I want you to know that this comes to pass. That this prophecy that that Isaiah makes that God had given to him about this man Cyrus, how that God was going to direct Cyrus to, to release the people of God and let them go back to their homeland and rebuild the city, this takes place. And we're going to look at that here in just a little bit. The point that we're making as we consider these truths concerning God's power revealed in treasures of darkness, is first of all that that we learn that the Lord is able 
to direct anyone. Identity is not paramount. And we notice, secondly, that, that when God directs, He is causing them to be instrumental in fulfilling His own purpose. You ever think about that? You think that, you know, we look at, we look at politics in our nation. And Victor commented on, you know, some of the discussion that was taking place out in the foyer area prior to the, to the morning services. And, you know, you can't help but get, you know, just frustrated with the, the way the nation is going and the political situation. And you say, and, and you, you uh, I won't get into your particular background, but you look at one candidate and, and you say, man, why did God allow this person to be elected? Well, God's got his purposes. God can direct anyone and God can do as he pleases God had determined that he was going to bring his people back into their own land after that 70 years it was determined it was going to be done did it happen it did and how did it happen well God used this guy by the name of Cyrus turn to the book of Ezra Ezra chapter number one I want you to notice how the Bible records for us how this actually happened. Notice Ezra chapter number 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4, and then skip down and read a few other verses. Ezra chapter number 1, verses 1 through 4. Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Now, in the first year of who? Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Now stop there. Is that not amazing? That this is Cyrus. Okay? This is not David. This is not Solomon. This is Cyrus, the wicked king of Persia. Notice God is reciting here through Ezra what Cyrus is reporting. Cyrus says, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is, a, he is the God which is in Jerusalem, and whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts, besides the freewill offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And so Cyrus, who is an unexpected, if you didn't know the Scriptures, an unexpected source of help for the people of God. Does that not comfort you that there can be an unexpected source of help for you that you don't ever see coming? You would not say, oh yeah, I want to rely on this person. You would never rely on that person. But you know what? God can direct that person to positively affect his work. Then skip down to verses 7 and 8 of Ezra chapter 1. Also Cyrus the king brought forth the vessels of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had brought forth out of Jerusalem, and had put them in the house of his gods. Even those did Cyrus king of Persia bring forth by the hand of Mithridath the treasurer, and numbered them unto Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. And so, again, just a continuation of what Cyrus is doing as he is directed by God Almighty. God told Cyrus, I'm going to give you treasures of darkness. 
And in the treasures of darkness, there is a lesson for us as to God's power and sovereignty. God can direct, He is able to direct anyone. The second truth is this. We see this also in the latter part of verse number 1, and then on into the first part of verse number 2. The Lord is able to defeat anyone. He's able to direct anyone. He's able to defeat anyone. God was going to defeat the great world power of that day, Babylon. Now, this is contrary to man's natural thought process. In fact, if I were to say to you today, who is the great world power today? You would say the United States. We are the great world power. Now, it ain't as... It ain't, there's not a great difference as there used to be space-wise. But I think some people have this idea that we can't be defeated. That, that we are, that you can't touch us. We're the United States. I mean, you know, we, we got one loss in our column, and that wasn't even really a war, okay? It was never declared as a war, and so you can't touch us. We're the United States. And if you try to do anything to us, we'll just get everybody together on the steps of the Capitol and we'll all sing God Bless America and then go back to the way things were. And you you can't touch us. And I really believe that people think that. Our youth today thinks that we can do whatever we want and you can't touch us because we're the United States. They can denigrate the United States. They can call the United States every name in the book that they want to, and yet somehow bask in the freedom which is provided to them. Well, guess what? God said He's going to to defeat Babylon, the world power. This was contrary to man's natural thinking and his natural reasoning. Let me show you. Back in Isaiah chapter 45, notice here in, in verse number 1. In verse number one, he says, the Lord says, I will loose the loins of kings to open, uh, to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. You remember Solomon when Solomon was writing in the flesh? I say writing in the flesh, but he was writing from the perspective of the flesh in the book of Ecclesiastes. And, you know, in vanity of vanity, everything is vanity, right? Well, what did Solomon write about man's thought process when you are walking apart from God? I'll tell you. Here's what he wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse number 15. That which is crooked cannot be made straight. Well, that's not true. You know who can make that which is crooked straight? God can. Thank you, brother. He says, I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. God can do that. God is able to defeat anyone. Babylon, the great city, had 100 gates. 25 gates on each side of the city. And the posts of those gates were literally made of brass. Read it again in verses 1 and 2. And I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass. 
and cut in sunder the bars of iron. God is literally saying, I can do as I want. I'm going to use this guy by the name of Cyrus to defeat the Babylonians. Brother Victor referenced Job this morning. We started out in Job chapter number 19. Okay, Let's go back to Job. This time in Job chapter number 12. Notice in Job chapter number 12 what the Lord has to say here through Job as to a testimony of the Lord's own power and ability. Look at Job chapter number 12 beginning in verse number 12. In Job chapter 12, verse number 12, and we're going to again, we're going to read a few verses this morning, so just bear with me. Job chapter 12, beginning in verse number 12. With the ancient is wisdom, and in length of days understanding. With him is wisdom and strength, he hath counsel and understanding. Behold, he breaketh down, and it cannot be built again. He shutteth up a man, and there could be no opening. Behold, he withholdeth the waters, and they dry up. Also he sendeth them out, and they overturn the earth. With him is strength and wisdom. The deceived and the deceiver are his. He leadeth counselors away spoiled, and maketh the judges fools. He looseth the bond of kings, and girdeth their loins with a girdle. He leadeth princes away spoiled, and overthroweth the mighty. He removeth away the speech of the trusty, and taketh away the understanding of the aged. He poureth contempt upon princes and weakeneth the strength of the mighty. God is sovereign and powerful over all. God can defeat anyone. No one, no country, no thing is above the power and the ability of the Lord. God is saying to His people, I am going to use this man by the name of Cyrus to defeat the dominant world power of the day, the Babylonians. Now, God is able to defeat anyone. He's able to defeat those that are exalted against the Savior. We read, we read today and we're privy today of all sorts of attacks against the name of the Lord and against God Himself. And if you don't believe that, look at what's taking place in our society today. Again, it's like we talked about out in the foyer area. You know, are, are you really going to tell me that a man can have a baby? Look, man, I, I might be from Ohio, but I ain't that stupid, okay? Don't, don't try to gaslight me and look me in the face and tell me that that's the case. Well, what is the point of all of that? The point of all of that is to destroy how God made us. It is an assault upon God Almighty and everything that God stands for. That's what that is. It has nothing to do with wanting to care for children. They want to indoctrinate your children. An 11-year-old does not need to be told that, you know what, Johnny, maybe you're really a Susie. That's not the school's role to do that. And it's child abuse for a parent to do that. And it is all an attack against God's order. In the garden, God made them male and female. And he didn't make Adam to one day become, what's a, what's a female name for Adam? Adamette, okay? No! It's craziness! But it is an attack upon God's economy. The way that God rules, and I'm telling you right now, God is able to defeat his enemies. God is able to defeat the enemies against the saints. If they persecuted Christ, and we be Christ. Then what did Christ say? The servant is not above his master. 
God is able to defeat those enemies that would rise up against God's people as all we seek to do is lead a godly, peaceable life. I suppose, and I don't think it would be a stretch to say that you're not going out trying to pick fights with people about your Christianity. You simply want to serve God and stand for what you believe to be biblical values. You're not trying to go to the town square and say everybody's got to believe the way that you believe. Man, even in our churches, we don't have a, 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 a consistency in belief in certain areas. Certainly on the fundamentals we do. But you don't have to take a test uh, to, to, to be a believer that's, oh, you gotta, you got you to gotta say shibboleth, right? you gotta, you got to believe this and this and this. No, you say by the grace of God. God makes you a new creature in Christ. And you know what? You might have some different views about uh, what you wear. And maybe you have some liberty about some things that you do that maybe I wouldn't have liberty or like or vice versa. We're not giving people a test. So it's not like we're out there trying to fight with people. Like, you have to believe exactly the way I believe. And yet, in our stand for righteousness in Christ, we have enemies. God is fully capable of defeating those enemies. He can direct them. He can defeat them. Think about this. God is fully capable of defeating the entrenchment of the sinner. The entrenchment of the sinner. Now think about this. Do you have, do you have lost family members that you pray for every day and it, it just grieves your heart and they are, they are entrenched? They're not going anywhere unless God moves them. You know what? God can move them. There's the sovereignty and the power of God. Think about this guy by the name of Saul of Tarsus. He is literally killing Christians. He's on his way to kill more Christians. And what happens to him? God arrests him on the road to Damascus. God stops him in his tracks. God brings him to himself. Listen to this in Acts chapter number 9, verses 5 and 6. And he said, this is Saul of Tarsus who would become Paul the Apostle. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You know what? That, that's sovereignty. That's ownership. And I, you, you know the, the deal with the ox goat and hitting it on the ankle with the, with the sticky part so that it would keep the ox in line. It is hard for the sinner when God comes calling to kick against the pricks. Verse number 6, And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and there shall be told thee what thou must do. So Saul of Tarsus went from breathing, breathing out slaughterings and threatenings against the people of God to being a vessel, saved by the grace of God, brought into line by the sovereign power of God. What's the second truth we see? The Lord is able to defeat anyone. And then the third truth. The Lord is able to deliver anything. I mean, the Lord, the Lord we, we've said this multiple times in the past, but He not only has a, the cattle on a thousand hills and owns the cattle on a thousand, He owns the, owns the hills. I mean, it's all His, right? He promised to give Cyrus the treasures of darkness. Now, there is a literal application here, and in it we see an improbable provision. How on earth would Cyrus uncover 
these treasures of darkness. Because I believe that the Lord is referring to literal treasures of darkness. History tells us that King Nebuchadnezzar had ships that were built of brass, filled with riches that he buried in the middle of the Euphrates River. And I believe that the Lord is saying to Cyrus that he is literally going to reveal to him where these treasures of darkness are at. God is going to give Cyrus these treasures of darkness. Hasn't God done that for you in the past? He's given you treasures and an improbable provision and you had no idea that it would be coming from that, uh, that particular area? Think about the way God has dealt with His people in Scriptures. He's given them water to drink out of a rock. He fed Elijah with food that was brought to him by ravens. Improbable provision. The Lord says through the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. So, I don't know what your need is. I know we have need at Tabernacle Baptist Church. And you know what? God is fully capable of, of delivering anything and maybe not even in the way that we think. An improbable provision. An innumerable provision. Babylon, at, at the time that they were the world power, it was the wealthiest city in the world. Possessed of gold and silver worth uh, 126,224,000 British pounds, which at that time would place it over $200 million. Can you imagine if you had that kind of wealth back in those days? I'll take it today. <laughs> you know, it is not nearly as worth as much today as it would have been then. But God is able to give us an improbable provision, an innumerable provision. And, and in this, what God is doing is He is identifying His preeminence and His promise. God wants us to see through all that He does in directing anyone, in defeating anyone, in uh, delivering anything, God wants us to see that He is who He says He is. Now think about this in Isaiah chapter 45, right? God gives us insight into how He's going to deliver Israel. And He tells us He's going to do it through Cyrus, this uh, worldly king. But then, God shifts His attention to telling Cyrus and us why God is moving this way. Look at Isaiah chapter number 45 and verse number 3. Isaiah 45 verse number 3. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. And here it is. That thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. God is doing it to reveal himself. And in particular, notice he says, I am the God of Israel. I am calling you to do my work. I'm the God of Israel. God reveals His treasures of darkness to identify Himself. Read now verses 5-7. through seven. Isaiah 45 verses 5-7. through seven. I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. 
I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. God reveals Himself in the treasures of darkness. We as God's people, can we not think of times when we've discovered God in the treasures of darkness? How does God reveal Himself to us? We preached the message a few weeks back entitled Sight Unseen out of 1 Peter chapter number 1. We haven't seen Christ with our physical eyes yet. We love Him. We believe in Him. We trust Him. We have faith in Him. We've never seen Him. God doesn't appear to us in some human form, in some revelation. How does God reveal Himself to us? I'm going to tell you how. <laughs> right here. In His Word. And, and think about this. Treasures. Storehouse. Darkness. Obscure. Secret. Have you, have you ever been reading the Word of God? And you're, you're reading it and you're like, okay, i got to read the Word of God today. Don't lie. We've all had those. Okay, i got to do my devotions today. I have to do my devotions. You know, we're reading it and it's like, wow, Victor, I've never seen that before. I've read that 30 times. And God is revealing some obscure truth that before never meant anything to me because it was the particular time in my life that I needed that morsel of truth. And God reveals it in the treasures of darkness. What does God say? In Psalms 25 and verse number 14, He says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. How do we view Christ in the New Testament? Not only is, Christ, is the Lord revealed in the, living, or the written Word, but also in the living Word. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 3, the Bible reads, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Are you looking for treasure? Look in the right place. In Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so, the third truth is that the Lord is able to deliver anything. He can give us what we need when we need it. And then the fourth and final truth. The Lord is able to defend His afflicted. He is able to defend his afflicted. Uh, we sang about that. One of the songs that we sang before I came up, I can't remember which one it was. It might have been the last one that we sang. God Our Help in Ages Past talks about the Lord delivering his people. The Lord delivers the afflicted. God looks out for his own. He not only can defend us, but he promises that he will defend us. Now, the Lord is able to defend his afflicted. He is revealing to Cyrus the object of God's benefits. Look at verse 4. Isaiah 45, verse number 4. For Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. Now get what God is saying here. He is saying through this prophecy to Cyrus that, you know, the reason I'm doing this is not really for you. It's for my people. I'm the God of Israel. And I'm calling you and I'm directing you and I'm giving you your name. But in verse number four, for Jacob my servant's sake and Israel mine elect. God loves his people. Though God rewarded Cyrus with these treasures of darkness... This work was for God's people. 
And history records for us that Cyrus, there's never any indication that Cyrus ever became a child of God. History records that he maintained idolatry in his belief in Jupiter even until his death. And yet God did all of this for his own purpose. God rewarded his people. Nehemiah talks about how that God had blessed the children of God. Listen to this in Nehemiah chapter number 9, verses 24 and 25. So the children went in and possessed the land, and thou subduest before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave us them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might do with them as they would. And they took strong cities and a fat land and possessed houses full of all goods, wells digged, vineyards and olive yards and fruit trees in abundance. So they did eat and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. God did that for his people. God can do that for his people. He reveals the object of his benefits through how he is working in the life of Cyrus. This prophecy, 210 years before Cyrus was ever born. You know, we heard this morning about a great redeemer, a living redeemer. That's comfort for us. We know that we have life after death. We know that we shall see our redeemer again. But you know, we we sometimes need to be reminded of God's love for us here in this earth. While we are here, man, there's going to be days of affliction. There's going to be troubles for the child of God. And whatever it is that you're going through, I don't know what that is, but I know this. The Lord can direct anyone. The Lord can defeat anyone. The Lord can deliver anything. And the Lord can take care of of his afflicted the Lord is able to defend his afflicted what a wonderful passage of scripture Cyrus not even a child of God but used by God for God's people that ought to encourage us this week as we go out into the world and we take care of the duties that God has given us and the, 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 we carry out the roles and responsibilities that we have remember this guy by the name of Cyrus And remember what our God, who is sovereign and powerful, did in the treasures of darkness.